How many steps do you take before you have foot pain? Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store, and the truth is, the battle between our feet and the concrete or asphalt usually winds up with our feet losing. Studies show that about 75% of people will experience some kind of foot pain by middle age. I found that out a number of years ago with plantar fasciitis, and I tried to remedy it with shoes and drugstore cushions that didn't work. Finally, I went to the Good Feet Store, was personally fitted for arch supports, and I love them so much, I bought the store. Without a plan to protect and support your feet, it is likely you could one day be one of the millions living with chronic foot pain. Don't wait until pain demands that you visit us. Stop by the Good Feet Store today and let one of our trained arch support specialists fit you with your personal system of arch supports. The Good Feet Store is located in Fairfax, Leesburg, Rockville, Baltimore and Hunt Valley, and in Annapolis in the Annapolis Harbor Center. For more information, go to goodfeet.com. It's a beautiful morning. The birds are chirping. The sun is shining. And you're listening to... Next up, some smooth jazz on your drive to unemployment. What the I know it's mean to say you're green, but you gots to leave WWE. You're not fit to be the shit, so stay at home and make my grits. That's the first verse. If anybody's looking for a new co-host for any radio <laughs> show, I'm available. Good evening, wrestling fans, entertainment fans. This is Anthony of wrestling-news.com. I want to thank you very much for listening tonight. Oh, how I had no idea that the wrestling world was filled with atheists. Dixie, you are forgiven. Hi, I'm Kermit D. Frog. I am the new GM for Raw. NXT! NXT! Yay! Get the fuck out of here. Go into the TNA impact zone with one of those metal detector wands. And when Hogan comes out to cut his promo and he's doing the air guitar, just turn the fucking thing on. <laughs> Since youngins do listen, some of your youngins out there do listen, I think it's a little bit too inappropriate to be using the word cut on this show. People out there, remind me in a little while the word Hindu. That's how the shows go. If you're new to the show, whatever comes to my mind, that's what I say. <laughs> uh, total non-stop Anthony That's what you got tonight Total non-stop Anthony Total non-stop Anthony Total non-stop Anthony Hey what's up everyone Don Tony here Welcome to this edition of Breakfast of Blossy For June 20th 2018 It's about 5pm Eastern Standard I am doing this a little bit later than usual. Usually I come home for my lunch hour every other Wednesday to do this. But today I got stuck in the office all day long. If you follow me on Twitter, you know the deal. The Hot Pockets. and how Has anybody ever had ham and cheese Hot Pockets? It is the worst <laughs> sandwich. No, it's funny. People actually still debate if a hot dog is a sandwich or not, which it is. 
But yet, they also call Hot Pockets a sandwich. And basically what it is is just garbage shoved inside some type of flaky crust. It's not even like separated between two slices of bread. It's like shoved into something that's not even like open. You know, to me, a sandwich is two pieces of bread open with something in the middle. And that's what a hot dog is. It's just that the bread is connected and it's sideways. But anyway... Ham and cheese hot pot. I had it today for the first time. It tasted so horrendous. And not only that, if any of you have ever experienced one of these ham and cheese hot pockets, what color is this cheese? It's not even like cheese color. It, it, you know what it looks like? It looks like if I take cheese whiz and even the texture of it, if I take cheese whiz and I decide to slice my finger open, let the blood like drip on the cheese whiz and then mix it together, I think that's what the cheese looked like. It tasted so horrendous, but because I got stuck at the desk today, I had to get a quick lunch. Sure, I could have had something delivered, but I decided to go downstairs in the deli, see what's in the freezer. It was either get the ham and cheese Hot Pockets or get the little frozen little bagel pizzas and all that. I just want something quick. Throw in the microwave, couple of minutes, boom, in my stomach. Happy Don Tony. We can we go on. I've been into this. I see this yellow, reddish, orange crap leaking out of it. Horrendous. <laughs> Horrendous. But anyway, I guess I'm trying to like boost up my spirits a little bit. For those that may not know why it's a somber opening, we learned this morning that Vader passed away at the age of 63. Now, look, I'm not going to come up here and claim that I was friends with him. I wasn't. I did get to speak to him on a phone a few times when I would help Frank Goodman with USA Pro and UXW Wrestling, like, set up playing a hotel and stuff like that. And I remember one time he couldn't make an event that he was really under the weather. So, you know, he was just so nice and professional over the phone to me and to Frank. But the one time that I really got a chance to meet him and talk to him a little bit, it's memorable for me. And, you know, for anybody that used to go to the UXW events, especially in Long Island, you will remember this vividly. First off, the night that I really got to meet Vader, I actually was on the same card as him. For those that remember the, you know, the somewhat hokey, ridiculous little storyline that I was trying to do with Lowlife Louis Ramos, you know, people were sabotaging it. You know the story over the years. Well, you might have heard me talk about the uh, the night that I called it New Jack in the Box. And basically what it was, Lowlife Louis Ramos, who's one of the nicest people that I have ever met, such a good guy, good person, well-loved. At that time in 2005, he had just learned that his wife was pregnant. And we did a little storyline. And basically what the storyline was, was that he always wrestled hardcore, but he wanted to retire. He wanted to tone it down because he wanted to concentrate on his family, which was true. And we decided to do something that we were forcing him to fight hardcore, even though he didn't want to because he needed the money for his family. So that's the night that I brought Abdullah the Butcher out to slaughter him and this and that. Well, this particular night in November of 2005, we did a segment where people actually bought gifts for Little Life Louie and his family for their, you know, their, I think it was his new his son was on the way. And one of the gifts was supposed to be a CD. 
and he was going to open the CD. There would have been no label on it or anything, and he was wondering what it was. They were going to give it to the DJ, and it was actually a child doing a nursery rhyme. And I don't remember what the nursery rhyme was, but it had something with Jack in the Box. But instead of it saying that, it did a phrase, you know, hinting that it was New Jack. And all of a sudden, New Jack's music was going to hit, come out, beat the fuck out of Louie, forcing him to go hardcore. And it was going to be awesome. But obviously, Sean and Mick and others despised me, could not stand that I was coming up with any ideas. And I, I'm looking back on it, I think some of the ideas were pretty damn good. And I think they just didn't want to see this asshole, me, this loser in their eyes, coming up with something that's halfway entertaining. So what does Sean and Mick do? He hits New Jack's music too early, and the whole segment gets fucked up. But that same night, Vader, I think, wrestled Danny DeMonto. And I remember meeting him, and he was such a freaking nice guy, man. Such a nice guy, and I remember him really enjoying the cannolis because that's the night that Don Tony was born. The incident with Slash... I mean, I'm not going to get into the whole thing right now. It's not about yours truly. But that was the night where I brought all the cannolis. And then we saw Slash. And people were coming up to me and like, yo, dude, Slash is here, Slash is here. And I uppercut him with the cannolis or broke his glasses. Everybody flocked outside. And, and that was the night Don Tony was born. Because some Mataraj came up to me. What do you think? You're a tough guy? What do you think? You're a fucking gangster? You're wearing your shirt. You're wearing your John Gotti thing. What, what do you think? You're a, you're a fucking Don? And I said, yeah, that's right. I'm Don fucking Tony. And that's how Don Tony was born. It's a true story. But, um, but I got to meet Vader that night. What a nice man. Seriously. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of you out there remember Wrestling With Shadows. You know, that's when we really got to, for a quick moment, got to, you know, see Vader out of his element behind the scenes and, you know, just sound like a very, very soft-spoken guy. And Bret Hart, I think, remember making a couple of words during that, talking about, you know, he's nowhere near his persona in the ring. And um, I know I went a little off track here, but the reason why I mentioned all of those things is because I know that there's a lot of people locally will remember that night. And that's why I always remember that night because of those moments. But it was that was that night that I got to meet Vader. And he was really, really a cool guy. And, you know, for, I know that there's some haters out there that absolutely hate that I interject own personal stories, personal experience. And then they try to line like, you know, it's not about you, Don Tony. You always got to make it about you. This fucking show is called Breakfast with Blossie. Yeah, if I could interject real, real, real stories, comparisons, experiences, then I will. If I can relate to something or if I've seen something, you know, I, I've said this a million times over. I go back to 1997 doing this shit. Originally it was Hotlines, then it went into podcast. Kevin Castle joined up with me on the uh, Don Tony and Kevin Cash show around 2005, 2006, somewhere around that time. I think it was 2006. But I go back to 97. And the one thing that has been consistent going back then, besides triggering snowflakes, they weren't called snowflakes at that time. They were still in the egg. But um, we, I don't come up here and just read you news from other websites. I see what's going on. I talk to people. I have my own connections here and there. 
but I'm not, you know, one of these that something breaks and I'm calling, going through my Rolodex and calling 15 people. Hey, is this true? Hey, could you comment? Hey, could you give me any juicy stuff? No, that's not what I am. But I will get into things that I find pertinent, but we don't read things word for word. Anybody with a computer, and you could do it for 50 fucking years, it doesn't make you any different, but anybody with a computer could go on somebody's website and read their shit word for word, and just because they have a nice soft-spoken voice or they're very well-liked or they, you know, are very well-groomed and they got video, that that makes them professional. No, all you're doing is reading other people's shit. That's not what we're about on any of the shows that we all do. But if I could interject personal, I will. We're a big family here. All of you, all of us. And when I do these shows, it's as if I'm talking to a bunch of friends. So, yeah, we will interject personal stuff. And Vader's passing really hits home for me. For any regular listener, you know the reasons why. And what's sad about it is you could go on YouTube and you could hear from a month ago when he got the complications that he couldn't breathe. You remember that? I came up on the Don Tony Kevin Castle show and said he's got to be very careful about pneumonia. He's got to be very careful about fluid in the lungs. Two years ago, and this is why it really hits home for me. Two years ago, my mom had almost the identical surgery that Vader had. Valve problems, heart problems, major, major heart surgery. If I took a picture of my mom's chest and you looked at it side by side like Vader's, the only difference is that my mom's got a bigger chest. You know, their scar is almost identical. And not only that, when she was in the midst of all of that, there were two or three times that I came up on the shows and I actually, I'll rephrase that. I couldn't come on the shows and Miss filled in for me because we were by our hospital bedside because they didn't think she was going to make it. She had complications with pneumonia, fluid in the lungs, couldn't breathe. And my mom is in her sixties also. So basically, you know, when Vader got that scare a month ago, you know, I said, he's got to be careful about fluid on the lungs. Got to be careful about pneumonia. Got to be careful about this. And there were people that listened to the show that commented online at that time and said, you know, pneumonia could be fatal for Vader. And apparently that's what happened. Complications from pneumonia, the heart issues, just his heart gave out. You know, it's, uh, it's really, really sad. So when you re- realize that it was in November of, 16, that he tells us the doctors are telling him he's got two years to live. It wasn't hype. And we came up here and kept saying to everyone out there, it's not hype. It's not hype. My mom had the same situation only a few months before. So when I come up here and say that, it's not that um, I have to interject my own personal family and personal experiences. The reason why I do that is because there's a lot of other people out there listening to the show right now that had a loved one that went through the same thing. There might be some out there that in the future may have an ex- you know an experience themselves or a loved one who has issues with the heart and maybe have heart surgery. So maybe a little tidbit of what was discussed, they may remember later on. You know, you hear about the pneumonia, you hear about this, and you got to understand also, 
you look at the Ring of Honor stuff with Madison Square Garden, and you look at some of the other stories going around. Dr. Amon with, um, what's her face? Uh, Jillian Hall. And you look at these stories, and these stories, along with Vader, is good examples of people out there that unfortunately don't, their idea of stimulating their brain is fucking playing Xbox for six hours. I mean, it's really what it is. And you, I, I don't get it with people out there that don't want to learn and educate themselves. You see, like, Vader, okay, two years to live, heart issues, this is and that. You got some matarazes. Is there medicine you can take? Is there medicine you can take? The fucking heart is not working and the valves are not working and the fucking things are clogged and the, and the heart is giving out. Is medicine you can take? Now, I, I don't want to try to paint too broad of a stroke here. All right, There are people out there, listeners, podcasters, websites that will read and research and try to understand and educate themselves about things that are going on. All right, You look at the Dr. Aman CM Punk lawsuit, and they brought up certain things. And one thing that was revealed is that Dr. Aman had a relationship with a former uh, diva in WWE. And right away, people, oh, that's violation of HIPAA laws and this is and that. And you could see that they didn't even bother reading what is a HIPAA violation? What is HIPAA laws? And if they would have just spent a couple of minutes to read and understand what is considered the law and what is considered this. And, and, and I know I'm kind of segueing into other news as well. As far as the tribute to Vader, we'll do that on Monday because I know Kev is going to want to talk about it. And it would be asinine for me to spend a half an hour here and then say the same things on Monday. But what I will say right now, other than that, it's a very sad day in pro wrestling it is really cool to see the amount of love that is being poured online towards his passing. It's awesome. And um, if anybody has been following with this week in wrestling history, you know, officially episode one started 24, 25 weeks ago. You go and you look at the synopsis of all of those episodes. Vader is featured in half of these shows that we've done so far. I, from Vader versus Cactus on WCW Saturday Night, which I said back in April, my favorite match I've ever seen on WCW Saturday Night, to what went down overseas, you know, when he when uh, he slapped the reporter. I mean, it's just, it, you could go down the line with all of the stuff with Vader that we've covered this year. I just covered this past Tuesday's episode the match that he had with Heat Slater in 2012 and how the crowd absolutely, you know, showed their love for him and, you know, they were chanting, you still got it, made him feel like a million dollars. So Vader is heavily featured on that show that I do. But one thing I will say before we move on and we'll get back to Ring of Honor, Dr. Oman, a few other things. Um, I wrote this earlier today and I honestly thought about it first before writing it because um, I didn't know if it was really appropriate. But then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. No, no. Yours truly speaks his mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even though if it rubs people the wrong way, that's one thing about all of these shows. 
It's one thing that I promised everyone going back to 1997. I will always be honest with all of you. I know on Breakfast Soup, we get a little too brutally honest and get a little too open about things. Listen to the last episode mission I did. It was four and a half hours long. We got in some very real raw discussions that I don't think anybody would ever have the balls to to talk about. I'm a little surprised that we got as raw as we did, but I wrote something earlier today and what really pissed me off was WWE writing on their Twitter, it's always Vader time. You know, because Vader, it's time, it's time, it's Vader time. They All they wrote was, it's oh no, look, they did write other posts, you know, our thoughts and prayers, you know, you beloved, they paid tribute. But they wrote one particular tweet where they wrote, it's always Vader time. And I fucking vented. And what I wrote pretty much was, yeah, it's always Vader time, except for Hall of Fame ceremonies. Two years ago, they could have put him in the Hall of Fame, but they didn't. And we had a discussion even a year ago, and I posted the link on Twitter. If you noticed, I posted it on my own separate tweet. I didn't embed it in WWE's tweet because I think that's one of the most Bush League things that are done. I don't know if you out there ever noticed this, but you'll see like somebody very famous post a tweet. Could be the president. It could be anybody. Could be a famous wrestler. Could be WWE if you want to talk about wrestling. And then some goofy podcaster during that particular tweet will use that as a cheap plug a cheap way to get people to see their page you know it's just it's it just looks tacky so i made certain to post my link on my own tweet not in in wwe's embedded tweet but we had a conversation a year ago that i said put this guy in the hall of fame what are you waiting for until the guy's dead give him that one last opportunity where fans could cheer him you know, show love to him, make the guy smile, make him feel like he's not forgotten. Put the guy in the Hall of Fame while he's alive, especially as soon as we heard that he only had two years to live. I think some people thought it was a ridiculously stupid gimmick that it was just trying to get publicity on his end. You know, and on the surface, I I don't blame people who immediately thought that something was a little bit up there. But then when the guy gets heart surgery and he's got complications and he can't breathe, you think he's making that shit up? No. So I just am really, really annoyed that WWE did not put this guy in the Hall of Fame for the last two years. And... I don't want anybody to turn around and say to me, well, you know, he's been in poor health, so he couldn't make it and this and that. No, Vader has made quite a few appearances over the last two years, going on the stage and giving his speech and accepting the Hall of Fame and, you know, getting soaking in the love. The fucking guy made comments that he he wanted to die in the ring. You're trying to tell me it's too much of a labor, a physical challenge for him to appear at the Hall of Fame? The fuck out of here. And what really pisses me off is that now since he's deceased, notice that for the last two years, notice that nobody went on record to say why they wouldn't put Vader in the Hall of Fame the last two years. All right, Notice how nobody's gone on record to give a reason why. But now since he's deceased, Somebody, I don't know who, but somebody's going to go out there and make a report. Either they're going to claim they heard it from someone else or the person may have the balls to say it themselves and give a reason why he wasn't put in. 
And it's so fucking convenient that they're going to do it after he's deceased so he can't dispute it. You know, you never ever hear people giving reasons why they don't do certain things until after the person is deceased. You know, speak your fucking mind while somebody's alive. You know, but that's that pissed me off. That guy should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. And for the last two years, when people knew legitimately he was in poor health, and yeah, if the, if three or four doctors are telling you that you only have two years to live, I'm sorry. There's nobody in WWE's management that's going to turn around and say, well, you know what? We'll put him in in 2020 or 2019. And, you know, yeah, he'll stick around. But they just didn't care. There is no. And, and look, if they offered him to go in and Vader said, look, you know, I can't right now. I just this, this and that. Somebody would have said something. And Vader especially, because Vader towards the last couple of years of his life was very accessible, interacted with people online. I know there was one or two tweets that I had commented over the years about him that he even liked and stuff like he was very, very forthright with fans out there. He was very, very accessible and he would come up there and be very, very honest about things. And trust me, whatever Steve Austin repeatedly on his podcast expressed his, you know, um, I don't want to say frustration, but he was disappointed and a little annoyed that WWE has not put Vader in the Hall of Fame. Now, you think Vader is going to leave that out there and not, if he was offered in, not tell Steve Austin on the side or somebody? No, they would have clarified. It would have definitely cleared that up. You just don't let things sit. You don't let it sit. You know, at the end of the day, and I've said this so many times over the years, Famous people are human beings also. And sure, they're not going to answer and dispel every ridiculous rumor that is out there, every ridiculous negative claim that's out there. But there are some exceptions to the rule and some issues definitely you don't want to have them sit there and let steam and develop and snowball. So you do answer a few things and that is not something that would have been left out there. So I'm really fucking annoyed that this man didn't get that one last, you know, feeling of appreciation inside at a Hall of Fame ceremony. I know some people will remember what I said about Bobby Heenan, but Bobby Heenan was already in the Hall of Fame. I thought it would be cool for him to show up one more time, you know, for whatever reason, you know, just to take in the love, but he was already in the Hall of Fame. They didn't even get to that point. So to my friends, family, uh, those who were close with Vader, those who knew Vader, those who loved Vader, appreciated him, enjoyed his work. My condolences are to everyone. Very, very nice man. And, you know, he's out of his misery. And, you know, I just want to say one last thing. And I wasn't going to say this, but I'll say, it. you know why this hits home for me more than anything? Not just because I was a big fan of his. And again, you look at the history shows that I've done so far this year. I have gone out of my way to cover Vader quite a bit. And I've said, I've given him a love and praise while he was alive. A lot of people will give love and praise after someone is deceased. And you know what? In a lot of ways, that's not a negative thing. It's just that sometimes when people are alive, you don't think about them. You don't focus on them. You just kind of put them on the back burner in your memories and your mind. And then once they pass on, it comes you know, fourth, and it just re 
re- revisits all of the appreciation you had for someone. So I totally get why a lot of people out there. So, you know, when I posted the match of him versus Cactus two months ago, I think only five people liked it. You know, I was like, wow, this is a pretty fucking brutal match. And it's, you know, fair, nobody really put any attention to it. You know, because, you know, Mick Foley's always out there and, and you know, Vader is really just in the back burner and nobody really paid attention. Now, today, everybody's watching the matches. So I totally understand that. But the reason why it hits home for me also is because over the last two years, I've compared Vader's condition with my mom's. It's very, very similar, almost identical in a lot of ways. And now, you know, of course, my mom wasn't a pro wrestler. All right. Of course, my mom wasn't the size of Vader. But, you know, if my mom had almost the same exact thing, or I should take that back because my mom had it first. If Vader had the same thing that my mom had, and Vader only lasted two years, you don't think it made me sit here during the day today and think to myself how much time I still got left for my mom? And no, I'm not crying or anything right now, but it's just emotional. It makes you really, really step back and think, Jesus Christ, how long does my mom have? And I know some of you out there have heart problems as well, even some listeners. And I'm sure that kind of like really rattles your brain as well. Jeez, how much time do I have left? That's why I say anybody that you fucking love, you know, anybody you're close with or maybe you've lost a little touch with, don't take it for granted because in the blink of an eye, they may no longer be here or you may no longer be here. You don't want someone to live with the rest of their life. Wow, I wish I could have, you know, one last, no, just, you know, Tell that person you love them. Spend some time with them. And I know it's sounding you know, a little softy, but, you know, that's how I feel right now. So now let's get into a few other things. And quite honestly, I have no notes in front of me today. I honestly have no notes. And my apologies, too, because I just realized as I'm doing this show, I didn't even put in front of me, like, the shout-outs, the plugs, or anything. I Today's episode was just going to be strictly, you know, me just getting into things as they enter my, my mind. I know that there's probably five or six things that I wanted to make sure that I covered today. But, again, as I'm doing this, I realized that I have to do some shout-outs. And I talked a little bit extra these last 15 seconds because, as I was saying, I actually pulled them up. So want to shout-out our new and returning patrons, Chris Corby, The Drew Yari Show, Ryan Tiwata, Mega Man EXE, DJT, Quadruple H, and Randy Hayden. So welcome aboard and welcome back in some cases. Uh, the pay-per-view predictions contest, uh, contest on Patreon, congrats to Ray Gomez. He won. He scored the highest with 52 points. Jason Allen won the consolation prize with 51 points. Uh, the silver and gold giveaways. Anna, I don't give a shit about your kids. Banana won the silver giveaway. And out in the here won the gold. And for those that have been asking me, why does Anna have that phrase, I don't give a shit about your kids. Banana. That's the segment with Brock Lesnar when he told Heat Slater, I don't give a shit about your kids. So that's where the phrase comes from. So they won their giveaways. I will definitely get in touch with all three, all four of you to hook you up with your prizes this week. And, you know, I posted episode 24 of This Week in Wrestling History yesterday. It's online. And if you, you know, haven't had the opportunity to do so yet, please make sure you go out of your way to check it out. It was a great episode. And uh, shout out to our newest associate producer as well, Paul Woods Jr. Thank you for the support. Uh, Thursday night, Kev will be doing his solo show, Castle Chronicles. 
So he will definitely, without a doubt, be talking about Vader and a few other things. So you can get access to that by going to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Don Tony. I'll get some more shout-outs a little bit later. Um, a few things. And, you know, I definitely want to talk about Raw and Ronda Rousey and some SmackDown stuff, but... I want to talk about the Ring of Honor situation with Madison Square Garden. I also want to talk to Aman and Jillian Hall. And, you know, I know I throw through the remark earlier in this broadcast. I also have been taking shots on Twitter at, at group, just, you know, in general towards people because I want to bring to everybody's attention that, you know, what the really the message is, is you need to always remember two things. Number one, you need to remember that famous people are humans as well. Be a little careful, you know, be, you know, be a little bit more respectful the way you talk to people. Jillian Hall's post of what's been said about her the last day or two is a perfect example of that. And again, especially if you run a website or a podcast, it is your obligation to do a little research. All right, Dr. Aman, and this is one thing I want to get into, from the CM Punk uh, suit, Dr. Aman sued Punk and Cole Cabana. It was revealed in that lawsuit that Dr. Aman had a relationship with a WWE diva. And right away, what you read is, oh, he violated HIPAA laws, he did this, he did this, he did that. Now, could that be against WWE guidelines? Absolutely. But when you realize that you have wrestlers dating divas, wrestlers marrying divas, um, I don't know how the guidelines would be different for an employee, you know, in the office with a wrestler or or anybody. Now, as far as far as Doctor Aman goes, Doctor Aman has a legal practice. Okay, he doesn't just work for WWE. All right. So now he's not an employee of WWE. If WWE does not want to use him as a physician anymore because he might be a little bit too much trouble because of what happened with the CM Punk stuff, you know, uh, you know, he's he dated somebody who who was a diva. All right, that's WWE's prerogative. I have no problem with that. But when people start saying that he violated HIPAA laws, all right, it is your obligation, especially if you're a podcaster or, or a website, to you know, spend 10 minutes to understand what HIPAA laws are and understand what is actually a violation and what isn't, okay? If, it, it, let me go one step be, back for a second. We learned that the woman who Dr. Amon was involved with was Jillian Hall. So right away, people are saying, I violate HIPAA laws, he's in trouble, blah, 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 blah. Bullshit. Everybody at Right Set didn't, didn't even spend five minutes to read HIPAA laws, all right, people, because a diva had a relationship with a doctor, somehow that makes her a slut. Somehow that makes her promiscuous. Somehow that, how? How? And I read that over and over again, and I'm like, how do you go from this to this? Because he was a doctor, and by the way, if he had Jillian Hall as his patient, and they started a physical relationship. They started dating. Even if they decided to have a couple of one-night stands, you don't violate HIPAA laws as long as he turns around and says, "I, you can't be my patient anymore. 
Now, of course, if they're together and she don't feel well, it, it, of course, he could turn around and say, look, I think you got this. I think, you know, maybe maybe your sugar level is a little too elevated. But as far as being a patient uh, on behalf of WWE, WWE has this doctor to treat their employees. He just could not treat Jillian Hall as an employee of WWE. So, no, there are no HIPAA laws violated if she was no longer his patient. Now, what a lot of people didn't stop to think about is, is that what could be an issue is that since he was WWE's doctor, if Jillian Hall needed to be treated for something, what does he do? Does he tell WWE, uh, I can't treat her, we have a relationship going? Does he not say anything? Does he have an, a different doctor do it? Those are the questions that people should be at, but no. Instead, what are, what are the two things people saying? Calling her a slut or saying she viola- uh, he violated HIPAA laws. And when you read that, especially the HIPAA law thing, you realize that the people that are writing that didn't even bother to spend five minutes to read that. It's embarrassing. And kudos to everybody listening who actually did do research and actually did read. Like I said, you know, especially when, and, and the reason why I always single out podcasters and websites is because I do a podcast. I have a website, even though I don't write blogs no more. My blogs are audio. But we do the same thing. And I know that I'm always reading. I'm always trying to learn a little more. I'm always trying to expand, you know, my knowledge. And to see people that fucking lazy, that fucking careless, I mean, it's it's disappointing and it's sad. And again, when a lot of our listeners bring that to us and say, hey, I heard that Dr. Mon violated HIPAA laws, and then you get it over and over and over and over and over again, my answer is, is not only is that ridiculously stupid, but maybe you'll read why that's ridiculously stupid. Now, as far as Jillian Hall being labeled the way she is, which I think is just ridiculously awful, she actually wrote the following today. Quote, I'm going to get really serious for a minute. As much as I hate using the word slut in any capacity, this post is very necessary right now. The past several days, I've received messages, emails, and read some comments that have been completely slut-shamed me due to information coming out about a prior relationship I was in. Maybe read that last line again. It contains the word relationship. For those of you that have decided this makes me a bad person, a girl that was trying to get ahead in my life and career, someone that uses people or just a plain slut, you are the problem with this world. Not really wanting to bring up specifics, but am I really the bad guy here? I did absolutely nothing wrong myself. If the other party did in your eyes or the law's eyes, And that's a hypothetical. Why am I the one that is pretty much being bullied by some of you? Do you not see what your words can do to people? This is me being real. Some of your accusations towards me have given me elevated anxiety, made me feel depressed, and really hurt my feelings. Stop the slut shaming. Think about it. And if you have harsh words or opinions about the situation that you weren't even involved in, direct them where they need to be directed. It's not towards me it's fucked up man not what she said it's fucked up what people are doing again relationship relationship anybody that reported about this dr aman having a relationship 
with a former WWE diva. Anybody out there that says, oh, you may have violated HIPAA laws and it's fucked up and this and that, they lose credibility, in my opinion. Because if you would have just done, I wrote it on Solo Monsters page about two or three weeks ago. I said, if they had a relationship and he no longer was her doctor, there is nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. So again, just people out there, I think are, are just more concerned with having as many people read their stuff, listen to their stuff, liking their stuff than actually doing some research and being credible about it. And that leads to the Ring of Honor situation. Now, quite honestly, you know, I expect nothing less from Mike Johnson to make this political because he wants to play footsie with Ring of Honor. He did that back in the MLW days. Any way he could get a proverbial hand job from a promotion that makes him feel wanted, that's what it does. All right, sure. On this week of Wrestling History, last week I got into complete detail about the the original bus trips from, from Hardcore Homecoming and all this other stuff. There are some real horrible trolls out there. But if that's what, you know, breads their butter and that makes them happy, more power to them. Let them live in that world. Sooner or later, you know, like I said, I you know, some of these people out there, I could just imagine them going to like a singles night or a bar. Hey, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm in, uh, you know, I'm a reporter. Oh, what do you report for? I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, I'm, I'm a writer. I'm a reporter. I, I do news. Oh, who do you, who do you CNBC, CNN, you know, the inside. I mean, that's what some people's lives have turned out to be. And this is not directed towards Meltzer or Alvarez or the others because they have full-blown professions besides. And they really put tremendous amounts of work. I'm sure a lot of you out there don't like the over-the-top preference that Dave Meltzer has towards Japan. I totally respect it. I've seen that since the 90s. The guy is very, very hard worker and nobody fucking forces you to read any of his stuff. You don't like what he writes. You don't like what Russo says. You, know, you just don't pay attention to it. All right. But these are the, the, the people out there that just clickbait and this is and that and, and don't even put common sense into it. All right. For those that don't know why I'm taking a shot towards Mike Johnson and talking about leading it like this is because of this, okay? Ring of Honor was trying to pursue Madison Square Garden. Now, other than maybe a WrestleMania weekend or maybe some momentum from All In, all right, it, the, the decision to go to Madison Square Garden was an interesting one because if you actually pay attention to the crowd attendance that they get, all right, even if they sell out the Hammerstein, you don't go to Madison Square Garden to draw 2,000 people, okay? So if they did this because they're going to piggyback all in from Chicago, I am perfectly fine with that in the sense that, okay, I totally understand why Ring of Honor would pursue that. This is not necessarily about Ring of Honor's decision to pursue Madison Square Garden, because, you know, there are reasons where, okay, maybe they can get five, 6,000 people. All right, so that's not the issue. But the issue is this, all right? WWE has a relationship with Madison Square Garden for decades, decades, and decades. You go back to WCW and other organizations, WWE has a relationship with the Garden. Now, I live 30 minutes away from Madison Square Garden. 
I've been there countless times in my lifetime, all right? Yeah, it's been refurbished, redone. The garden might be more of the, the name and the label, but still, it's still a landmark and it's still very important. And being a fan, living only 30 minutes away, it is disappointing over the years how uh, WWE used to be there on a monthly basis to now, you know, you'd be lucky if they're there every couple of years. All right, so WWE doesn't utilize it anymore as like they used to. And, they, and they've been favoring Barclays, all right, which, okay, I understand the reasons why and this and that, but the thing is is that WWE still has a business relationship with, with Madison Square Garden, a business relationship. Sure, maybe they couldn't come to terms with having some shows, you know, more recent than in the past. If you remember, it was about six, seven years ago, I think. I might be a little off on the years, but I, you might remember that there was a lot of negotiations falling through with WWE holding an event in Madison Square Garden, and then they finally did, and it was big news. All right, But at the end of the day, WWE has had exclusive pretty much rights to the Garden when it comes to wrestling. That's why WCW didn't have events there. They they might have had it next door, you know, but they didn't have it at the Garden. I know AAA has pursued Madison Square Garden. All right, not every event that is booked in the Garden has to draw ten thousand. All right, but again, you you look at the history of WWE in the Garden. All right, they have technically exclusive rights. And WWE basically pulled that trump card for their relationship and their history to turn around and say, no, we don't, we don't approve of Ring of Honor having events there. Okay. Again, we don't know what Ring of Honor was planning on. We don't know if it was piggybacking all in. We don't know all the details behind it. But yeah, WWE hasn't been there much at all. All right. That's totally acknowledged, granted. But you have to look at this in a business point of view, all right? Do I agree with WWE pulling, you know, that Trump card and killing the deal that Ring of Honor had with the Garden? No, I don't like it. If in my, As far as a wrestling fan goes, if I was a Ring of Honor fan, my immediate reaction would be, look, WWE, if you're not going to hardly ever use this fucking place, what, let another fucking federation go there. But again, at the end of the day, this is business. It is business. All right. Don't give me the, well, WWE's a billion dollar company now. They can allow Ring of Honor go there. Come on. Is it really? It's not about niceties, people. It's not, oh, well, Ring of Honor, you know, they kind of like had a little bit of, uh, you know, a little f friendship with WWE where, you know, sometimes they would be name plugged. Come on. Just this time. They let Ring of Honor work the garden. Then any other promotion out there could turn around and try to pull the same thing. And the interesting thing about it is, is that if you read a lot of websites, a lot of people talking about this, I totally understand fans because you're looking at this as a fan and you should. But people out there, again, they forget about the business side of this and just looking like, wow, Ring of Honor, you know, WWE, you're fucked up. You know, you screwed Ring of Honor, blah, 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 blah. I told everyone the last two days, let's see if Ring of Honor gets a lawyer and files some type of a suit in this. 
or are they just going to use this as sympathy sales? Okay, and that's why I found it funny with Mike Johnson's thing because Mike Johnson portrayed this whole thing because he interviewed the owner of Ring of Honor. He portrayed this thing as WWE pulled you know leverage and you know went to to, to Madison Square Garden and said no nope, you know they 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 put the the monkey wrench into the deal and fucked it up and Ring of Honor got screwed out of it. Okay, if Ring of Honor had a deal done with Madison Square Garden and WWE puts a monkey wrench in, why isn't Ring of Honor hiring a lawyer and filing some type of suit saying, look, we had a deal. You know, WWE came in and put the kibosh on it. No, if you don't see them filing any type of a suit, you know what this is going to turn into? Fuck WWE, let's get a different building and let's use that so all the disgruntled fans out there that don't like WWE and think that it's a pussy move of what WWE did to Madison Square Garden, we'll show them, we'll get the Wachovia Center, we'll get blah, 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 and we'll get this and we'll have 5,000 people and everybody will chant, fuck you, Vince, fuck you, Vince. That's what it seems like this is turning into publicity, you know, so they could get sympathy sales at another venue. Now, is that small business? Could be. They might end up with more sales at a different venue, and it may cost a hell of a lot less than Madison Square Garden. Don't know. But again, that goes back to what I said about fellow podcasters and websites. You know, you want to put some emotion or feelings, personal feelings about a situation? Of course. And no, I'm not the podcast or website police. No. But I'm giving everybody my opinion on a situation. And you don't use your raw emotion to dictate a news article. All right. Because, again, you see this week, especially with all of the things going around, who are actual people that are doing their work and research and do and who are people that are just looking at something, reading it, you know, reacting to it and just not thinking about logic and common sense. A lot of you out there wanted my thoughts on the Ring of Honor situation, and that's how I decided to answer it, all right? I don't like WWE taking a power move with this right now, but in a business sense, it makes total logical sense because they let Ring of Honor there, they might have to let other people there. They lose exclusive rights, all right? Maybe WWE down the line thinks they're going to have more shows there. I don't know. All right. We're not in the offices of any of these companies. But if WWE has that relationship with Madison Square Garden, as much as you may not like the fact that Ring of Honor can't have a show there. All right. If you're such a big fan of Ring of Honor, you go whether it's Madison Square Garden, whether it's the Hammerstein Ballroom, whether it's anywhere else, you go and you support the product. All right, if a company is fucking pulling strings and taking a power play because it can't be done in a particular venue, sure. You know, some fans think it's history. Holy shit, you know, Ring of Honor, you know, first, you know Madison Square Garden, who would have ever thunk that? Yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. But again, at the end of the day, it's business. And you have to understand it in the business sense. So if everybody think that WWE is, you know, just way wrong for doing this, that is your personal view on it. That is not news. That is not facts. So there you go. So those are my thoughts on uh, Amon, Ring of Honor, WWE, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, whatever. Um, 
Now, as far as Raw and SmackDown goes, I wasn't on Monday's DTKC show. I want to thank Mish for um, taking the helm on Monday. Uh, it was Father's Day weekend. Again, happy Father's Day to everyone out there. And, you know, I spent the weekend, you know, with the girl, but also with my family. You know, I've beat it to death on these shows, you know, about my mom's situation. But my father is getting up there in age as well. You know, there's a lot of things that he wants to do in his mind and in his heart that he can't do physically. So I stay there two days a week on average, sometimes three. And I wanted to spend Father's Day this weekend with my family. And that included Monday as well. And um, again, I want to thank Mish for taking the helm for me. Um, but I did see Raw yesterday. I saw SmackDown. Um, you know, there's really not much to add from, you know, what went down in Money in a Bank. I Hopefully you all heard my recap of Money in a Bank. Um, so I'm not going to express again my views on Braun Strowman holding the briefcase or how the matches went down. But I will say a few things right off the bat. Number one, I'm happy that Rusev is finally getting his opportunity to face AJ Styles. The problem is, is I don't know if a if WWE is going to go this extra step in having Rusev winning that title. It is refreshing to see so many out there that are just happy that Rusev is getting a little bit of acknowledgement as far as being the number one contender. It feels like it might be six months too late, but if you're a fan of Rusev, which I am, and I know a lot of you out there as well, we take it. We enjoy it. Appreciate it. You don't know how long this will last. And it was cool to see that. On the flip side of it, again, Maybe they're just saving it to get towards WrestleMania time. Maybe 2019 will be the year of Big E. But here I thought Big E would be the one who could most benefit from the briefcase. And then they announced the number one contendership on for SmackDown. And you see Big E in that match and you're thinking, okay, he didn't get the briefcase, but maybe he gets the number one contendership this way. And he lost to Daniel Bryan. So yeah, it's a little bit of a letdown that they're not pulling the trigger with Big E possibly being a champion, you know, heavy singles heavyweight champion. But, 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 the fact that they put Big E in that match on SmackDown, and Big E has had singles matches before, so it's not like all of a sudden, oh, he's getting his singles matches, but now they're starting to toy around with Big E being in main events. And yeah, it was a gauntlet match on SmackDown, but I think they're starting to plant the seeds of Big E getting that singles push that some of us have been wanted, wanting for quite some time. Now, what WWE seems to have a problem with, that it wasn't a problem back in the day with the Four Horsemen and DX and a few others. It, well, DX, they kind of they did split up when Triple H went salt went you know, championship singles run. But for some reason, WWE has a problem with having a, you know, a group together, a faction, but yet have them have some individual careers as well. You look at all the years of the Four Horsemen, but yet Ric Flair was a heavyweight champion, a singles champion, but yet they still had the Four Horsemen stick together. So, you know, it's, 
there are times over the years with WWE out of faction where one of the, the members was a singles champion. I'm not saying that didn't happen. But for the most part, as far as longevity goes, you know, there's a lot of people out there that think the New Day should never, ever split up. That they just gel together and are so great together. And if they stick around as a cohesive unit for maybe five more years, it'll be looked at in the sense of the Freebirds and in, in other factions out there. That's cool. That, I'm perfectly fine with that. But you don't have to split them up simply because Big E becomes heavyweight champion. That's how I look at it. And we'll see where it goes. But I like the fact that they put them in that match. And let's see how more often they start doing that. But again, they may be waiting until 2019. They may be waiting till closer to WrestleMania. There is a difference between WrestleMania and 2019, even though WrestleMania takes place in 2019. WrestleMania is the pinnacle of a lot of storylines that are, that are starts to develop in 2018 and they lead to 2019. All right. Maybe for, for someone to go from point A to point B, they may not be feuding with the same people at point A by the time they get to point B, which is WrestleMania, but there's certain little chapters that they have to go through to get to point B. So, just because Big E is not, you know, feuding with certain people right now doesn't mean it's not going to happen in WrestleMania. But once WrestleMania is over with, then they may start putting a little focus on him. Think Elias. I, I mean, it's one of the most legendary discussions that we had repeatedly on this show late last year, early this year. Everybody, well, majority of people had concern for Elias. He's not getting pushed. All they're doing is singing. He's not getting pushed. He's losing matches. And I kept saying, everyone, relax. Relax. You don't want them to blow their load before WrestleMania because there's so many other people that are above him on the food chain. You know, let WrestleMania happen. Let them go through the motions. And then you'll see the elevation of Elias. And that's exactly what is happening. So I think the same um, track will go for Big E. But it was cool to see him in that match on SmackDown. Um, Now, as far as Raw, the one thing that stood out to me over everything else is Ronda Rousey being suspended for 30 days. I'm not going to lie. I'm shocked at the lack of frustration amongst wrestling fans. I don't know if it may be put two and two together yet. Maybe in a week or two from now, where she's not doing anything on TV, maybe that's when people realize, wait a minute, the fuck? She 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 ain't going to be doing nothing for another four or five weeks? The fuck? That's, I'm a little surprised at that because I've talked about on these shows all year that Ronda Rousey, you know, if you thought the Brock Lesnar, <laughs> you know, um, his schedule was bad, you know, Ronda Rousey, there's going to be a little bit... Remember when they said, and I think this was the biggest mistake WWE did. Remember when they said that Ronda Rousey was going to work as much as everyone else, pretty much on the roster, she was going to be a full-time person? That was the biggest mistake they did. Because what you're seeing now is a woman who's been involved in two matches that obviously have been led by other people in the match, because obviously with their experience, you don't expect anything else. But it seems like, you know, there's a little bit of concern right now that she, what's happened in the next four or five weeks? 
Is she training behind the scenes over and over and over again with Alexa Bliss to have that match or maybe a three-way down the line and they don't want her mind or her set up to be anything but this one individual match. You know, people comparing her to Kurt Angle, so are you, you on fucking drugs? All right, as far as, you know, just ability or where they came from or just pure athlete stuff, like, okay, fine. But when you have someone who is employed there now for quite some time, all right, sure, she's not even training for a year. All right, so I, let, I understand that aspect of it. But you have someone now that for four or five weeks, they don't allow her to have any other matches or they'll have a little bullshit segment on a house show for 10 seconds. You know, she's lifting her arm and the other person is doing their own flip or stuff like that. And I'm not saying that she's doing anything bad. She has done great so far. But when... Do, do we start seeing her perform on a more regular basis? All right, is that what it's going to be for, for the immediate future? Have one match, suspension, injury, some bullshit storyline where now she... Because by her being off TV, WWE is smart. By her being off TV in this suspension storyline, you can't say, why didn't she work Raw? Why didn't she work the following Raw? How come she hasn't wrestled since the match with uh, with Nia Jax? So by doing this suspension storyline, you can't even complain that for the next three or four weeks she ain't having a match. You know, and you remember the whole storyline of her taking on Nia Jax. She is the one in storyline that should have been having set up matches on TV and preparing for herself and sending a sign or signal to Nia Jax that, you know, she's ready and she's kicking ass and this and that. But WWE, for some reason, I and you know what this could very well be. She could have a deal similar to Brock Lesnar. As much as Ronda Rousey, look, she is definitely a wrestling fan. She fucking loves this. And that is probably one of the biggest things that I like about her. That you could tell that she is really putting in all of her effort and putting in her love for the for wrestling and effort and not just I wake up, I punch a clock, I go home. You could see that she really is enjoying and trying hard. All right, but you start to wonder now what kind of schedule has WWE actually signed her to? And she's over right now and I like her and she's doing great, but... Having this wrestle once every four to six weeks and trying to portray that she's a full-timer like everybody else, do I expect her to be on TV every fucking goddamn week right now? No. But when you see these little things with suspension and she's not wrestling and she's not... It's good that sooner or later people are going to start complaining a little bit about it. And for the next 30 days, you get no Ronda Rousey. None. You know, now, if you look at the storyline, you know what I would do? Stephanie or Constable Corbin brings Ronda Rousey back less than 30 days. That's something nobody's brought up. That's what I would do. Because the idea that she's not going to be doing anything physical on TV for the next 30 days, especially after you, you know, instilled in everybody's brain that she's full-timer, just like everybody else, you know, regular, you know, and that's not the case. Sooner or later, it's going to start turning on her.
And it's not going to be her fault. Like I said, there's a lot of people complaining right now about Brock Lesnar being the universal champion. I'm one of them. But again, at the end of the day, it's WWE's fault. It's not Brock Lesnar's fault. You know, what do people expect out there? He's not booked for Raw, but he shows up anyway and he gives everybody a freebie because he he feels that's the right thing to do. What the fuck are you smoking? So let's see what happens. But, you know, this 30-day suspension thing, I don't like it. I don't like it. The segment Monday was great. What she did with Kurt Angle and Alexa Bliss was great. You, you, the stuff with Nia, it's great. I'm not complaining about that. But so far, she is signed for, you know, so far, X amount of days. And we have seen her have two matches. And it seems like WWE's making excuses for her not to be on TV on a more frequent basis. Don't know if it's contract. I don't know if it's, let's give her a little more seasoning. I don't know exactly what it is right now. I tend to feel it's more contract because it looks like if it was up to Ronda Rousey, she'd be fucking having a match every week. I think she's, you know, nobody likes the physicality of it. She may like it. I don't know. But I don't know. I got to see a little bit more. And I want to make this perfectly clear. In no way, shape, or form is this shitting on Ronda Rousey at all. I'm not. Not one thing that I've said right now is criticizing her. I just think... You know, this, okay, she had the WrestleMania match. She was preparing for WrestleMania. So that's why we got nothing in between, you know, the two slices of bread up until WrestleMania. Okay, fine. You want to keep the suspense, the aura. We don't know how she's going to do. Yeah, it definitely worked in everybody's favor because the curiosity about it put a lot more attention to it. And then when she delivered, it made her performance look that much better. Fine with that. Excellent. Now you do it with Nia Jax. No other matches, nothing. And now immediately after Nia Jax, she's suspended, quote-unquote, for 30 days. Uh, Hopefully WWE has another scenario planned. And again, I didn't see anybody out there come up with the idea of Constable Corbin or Stephanie, you know, lifting the suspension sooner because that's what's best for business. And then maybe that leads a little dissension between Angle and Corbin. By the way, you know, everybody's making a big deal that Corbin is wrestling in his outfit. The, the Two days after he fucking had the outfit on, I remember Mish and I on Breakfast Super were like, you know, he's going to wrestle in an outfit, you know? Because, you know, could somebody in corporate, you know, wear the lone wolf outfit? No, he's going to dress corporate. And I, I like it. I like it. But people being surprised about that, I was a little taken back. I mean, I thought that was pretty much a given. He was going to be wrestling in the constable outfit. Shout out to our associate producers, Tyke Bowers, Rich Maharg, Adam Demoy, Diogo Nobre, Johnny Marin, Michael Westfall, Brandon Foley, Charles Lentz, Villainous Havoc, Courtney Summers, The Evil Baker and Butcher, Croissant and Salami, I love that, Billy Taylor, Michael Paturzo, Nico Time, Simon Hoodie Hood, Carlitos Ortiz Carrera II, Asano Hashmi, Brent Webster, Aaron Walker, Aaron Kloss, Out Nahia, Anthony Smith, James Gruesome, Mark Israel, Matt Militia, Jeffrey Collins, Tim Everhart, Bob Mac, Sean DeMarsh, Lucia Dalban, Danes Valdez, Mandingo Chamberlain, Josh Wilson, Jason Pratt, Toby DeShong, Scott Woodford, CJ Uihar. And by the way, I didn't forget about Big Cass. Show's not over yet. <laughs> I want to just make that clear because I know some of you out there listening right now and probably thinking, wait a minute, he forgot. No, no, no I'm going to get to that next. Shout out CJ Uihara, Crestman, 
James Deal, and at a gay banana. Julian LeBlanc, Frank O'Shea, Carl Buteau, a.k.a. Cheese and Rice, Spider Lewin, Brandon Rice, the Metaphor Isaac Fox, Marcus Antonius, Douglas McKay, Rob McCabe, Brian Byrne, Razorback Rob, Michael Cuomo, Daniel Warren, and Merle Coombs Jr. Thank you for your support as always. They are the associate producers. They actually are, are stockholders in what we do. They dictate a lot of the content, the direction. They really, really do help. And they, along with our other patrons, are the reason why these shows are still free for everyone. And seriously, if you've never checked it out yet, give it a shot. Try for one month. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Five bucks. You help us with the expense of these shows. Keep them free. Keep the lights on. Bill's paid for everyone. But you also get a lot of exclusive content on Patreon. Every week, we got a podcast going on there. It's exclusive to Patreon. There's hundreds of hours of Breakfast Soup. Hundreds of hours of Castle Chronicles. Predictions, contests, giveaways. We have early releases of other stuff. And um, it's a really cool place to be. It really is. I just wish that Patron would develop a little chat room type thing, little message board thing where, you know, our patrons, we could all interact a little bit better. You know, it's right now it's just, I know that there's a public wall, but, you know, it's not, it's not organized. I want Patron to come up with a little forum or a chat room or something where we could all interact. So, but thank you again, as, for, as always, for the support. Our sponsors, the Texas Podcast Massacre, and kudos to everyone who is enjoying that or listening to it for the first time. It is very, very cool. TV Tracks, you know, I think he's still on break, but he still has a lot of the uh, clips up there. You can check him out on YouTube. Rock Reviews have their podcast as well. They review music in a very unique way. Sneaker Addict, uh, hosted by DJ Dells, very good friend of the family. And you know what? I actually just thought about that. I just thought we just had a fucking revelation. We were trying to come up with a name for our VIP family over at Patreon. Why don't we just call our fellow VIPs the family? You know, hey, it's Don Tony. It's the family. The family. You know, especially with you know everybody talking about Travolta and Gotti. That fucking thing bombed at the at the box office. You know what's funny about the whole thing about Travolta with Gotti? I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to especially in Howard Beach, where Gotti lived, where I live. I can't tell you how many people in the neighborhood for the last four or five days that said to me over and over again, Minga, I thought this was a fucking Showtime release. I didn't know it was going to be in a fucking movie theaters. I'm looking on my cable to see where this fucking shit's going to Everybody thought it was going to be a made-for-TV movie. They're like, movie theaters? It bombed it because, you know, people that didn't follow Gotti, that weren't from this neck of the woods, that weren't into mobsters, you know, the Italian, Howard Beach, things like that. You just look at it as an actor playing a famous mobster. But you don't understand, and I'm not talking down on anybody, but I'm explaining why so many people from my neck of the woods had no intention on seeing it, including me. I have no intention on seeing it. Because... John Gotti's son, and I think the family's getting a percentage of this. Not our VIPs, but the Gotti family. Um, he was very, you know, good PC about it. He said, look, you know, John Travolta put on a great effort. I'm not putting words in his mouth, but he pretty much said that the one thing that's very, very difficult is actually, you know, recreating the aura 
of John Gotti. There was a, a definite mystique and aura about him. I met him many times, you know, when he was alive. Um, there's something, you know, about certain people that have this certain mystique and aura, and he couldn't capture that. He couldn't capture it. But a lot of people out there that's not from this neck of the woods, you look at it as an actor playing a mobster. We look at it as, you know, John Travolta, you know, trying to play Gotti. There's a big difference there. And um, everybody here in this neighborhood, for the most part, was shitting on it. I mean, nobody was even looking forward to it. And when he was in the neighborhood here filming scenes, <laughs> you would have thought that there would have been blocks and blocks of people. Oh, what is that? You know, what's going on? Holy shit. You know, people like, fuck that. I'm going to go get myself a Spumoni. So anyway, getting back to our plugs Dells with a sneaker addict podcast. Elman Shah, our link is on our synopsis. He's got a displayed store. If you've never seen a displayed store, go check it out. It's pop culture artwork on metal. Awesome, awesome shit. SubZeroComics.com for your all your wrestling collectible and comic book needs. Christ in the Toyverse, they have a podcast as well. Look under the name Undercover Capes. I know there's been a lot of comments recently about comic books. You know, this is where you should be checking out these the, the the links that I'm giving all of you. Your Best Bargains LLC has an Amazon and an eBay store. You could search them under the same name. Skyhawks Wrestling Collectibles. I did get your message. I didn't read it yet. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to definitely get in touch with you tomorrow. So, but check them out on eBay, Skyhawk28. And uh, thank you once again for the support. Now. Uh, let's talk about Big Kaz a little bit. And once again, shout out to Joey Numbers, Mish of Wrestling Soup. Because they're the ones that broke the story. They're the ones that actually reported first some of the reasons behind Big Kaz being released. And it's just, it's terrible, this inner circle of people out there that just absolutely refuse to give others credit when it's due. Now, me going back to 97, if anybody's been a longtime listener, you remember Mr. Mystery. I still will never reveal publicly who Mr. Mystery was, even though I know there's some people that are just absolutely, that used to be obsessed with it. It was someone who worked in TNA, pretty high up on the food chain, and what he would do is he would give us a lot of dirt and exclusive. Way before Hall Nash and uh, X-Pac signed with TNA, officially signed, we actually broke it on our podcast two, three weeks before. And so many things back then. And I remember one time we actually brought him on for a few minutes. I don't know if it was us that brought him on a soup I think it was us originally, but we brought him on, distorted his voice, but it was funny because when his voice was distorted, it was actually, I think Mish did this, it was actually run through a program two or three times, so you couldn't descramble it, because you remember when DDP was the stalker, and they had the scrambled voice, and they played it on TV, you know, some people actually recorded the voice, put it through like an Adobe audition program and scrambled it. And it was Vince talking on the mic. So right away, people thought ah, Vince is the stalker for Undertaker. No, it was Diamond Dallas Page. But, 
you know, we had to do that to ensure that his voice couldn't be scrambled. So it was pretty funny. People trying their hardest to try to descramble the voice unsuccessfully. But we had that contact. He was a loyal fan and listener of the show. And it was cool to break some of that stuff. But we didn't run to other websites and say, hey, we got this exclusive. But just because we were so disliked, they just would not give us any acknowledgement whatsoever. And even with the Conan drive, that's why I needed Georgianne to help me with this drive. God rest his soul. Because a lot of websites out there, because, you know, I come off as a dick towards them. And, yeah, I've criticized a lot of them over the years, deservingly so. Uh, Meltzer and Bill Apter were two of the only two or very few. But they were the two that really stepped up and really pushed the drive. And But there were a lot of websites that just flat out ignored it. It was pathetic. But I see that happening with Wrestling Soup repeatedly. I see it happen with Joey Numbers. I see what happened with Mish. And it's fucking ridiculous. It's petty. And to those websites and podcasts out there that refuse to give them credit when they actually break something, are they offended? Are they going to lose sleep over it? No. But you expect this from 16-year-olds. You expect this from geeky 19-year-olds from the 90s who wanted hand jobs from federations to feel important. You know, I will never, ever forget when Mike Johnson actually did commentary for Frank Goodman's USA Pro Wrestling. And at the time, it was very, very small, the shows. And it was nothing major. And I remember Frank Goodman, I think, wanted to uh, put one of, he was going to work out a pay-per-view deal where, you know, company was going to buy some of the footage and there are some of the matches, best of AJ Styles, best of this, whatever it was. And because Mike Johnson did commentary, on some of those shows, he turned around and told Frank Goodman, I do not want my voice on these pay-per-views. Motherfucker, you agreed and you fucking honed your craft and you got paid or you gained experience and you agree to work someone's show and then 10 years later you say, I don't want my voice on the fucking pay-per-view. Fuck you. You don't own that footage. But again, you know, I see this shit happen in the soup. And for those that don't know the deal, Cat Big Cats was released. And I got a kick out of it because when I first saw it, I thought about the Money in a Bank recap that I did on Sunday. And I thought about what I said, just just not understanding why WWE is making them tap out twice. This pay-per-view the one last. You know, big man, you know, is it a public service announcement that a little man can beat a big man any day of the week? Okay, fine. All right, but this is two pay-per-views in a row. Guy doesn't lose by getting disqualified for putting some type of a hold on Daniel Bryan and not breaking it, which I think is the way it should have been. So it was just a little confusing, you know, why they had him lose the way he did. So I didn't comment publicly about the release. I wanted to find out a little bit more about it. And I thought about the pay-per-view before. And as I'm watching this the last 24 hours or so, I'm seeing people repeatedly, you know, like, oh, I called it. Oh, I called it. You know, the bullshit with the midget when he went into business for himself, where Vince told him not to do this to the midget, I called it. I said he was done. After he lost to Daniel Bryan, I knew he was done. I said he was done. And I saw this over and over and over and over and over again. 
So I see people, you know, oh, I, I was right. I was right. I was right. I was right. So I said, okay, let me try to look into this a little bit. So soup, few others trying to get some answers and soup posts online. And they said, and I quote, their sources tell them that one of the biggest reasons Kaz got released was because a month ago he made a huge drunken scene on the international flight, which ended in him ripping a bathroom door off and the female talent literally having to hold in their pee or embarrassingly having to use the restroom with no door that he's had some drunken tirades. So I see this posted yesterday early. I said, okay, that's interesting. And so I emailed someone, you know, that I kind of trust with stuff. And the only thing I got back was, yeah, you, your boys are on point. But then also wrote that, uh, you know, he was fired abruptly because of he's got some issues with alcohol. But it wasn't just alcohol. It was behavioral issues with a few other things. Um, I know that aspect really hasn't been reported yet, but it's he's basically been a problem behaviorally wise. Bad attitude. Someone had told me that he had said a few comments that he was really, really pissed off that here's Jeff Hardy getting the DWI arrest and they're basically praising him on a documentary and him, he had an incident with alcohol and they're putting him in the doghouse, okay? I honestly don't know if that's true or not. So please, I'm just telling you what some someone had told me that, you know, an incident that rubbed people the wrong way as well. All right, I take a step back and, and look, I, I'm a fan of Big Cass. I actually pray and look, you know, people, it's funny because some people like to tweet or like to write stuff and then forget that, yeah, this stuff is up there. <laughs> you know, unless they go back and try to delete it, but this stuff is up there before. So you could actually go back and see who's changing their story, who's not. And look, people do have a change change of thought, you know, a view on someone. And you do evolve on it, totally get it. But you go back in my tweets a month ago, I said, Big Kaz on the mic, He's starting to gel, starting to develop. He's still very young. He's just back from the injury. Give it time. I like what I see. This and that. And then he jobs out twice to Daniel Bryan, clean. So I don't think Big Kaz is that stupid to try to compare Jeff Hardy to him when you look at Jeff Hardy's career and you look at his. So I'm not buying that part of it. But the alcohol issues has definitely been something of a problem. So... I see that, and then all of a sudden, late last night, Sports Illustrated, a few other people, I keep anonymous, I know it burns some of you out there. Don, Tony, tell us who you're ripping. You know, it, was, it really pissed me off about one Matarats last night. You know, I write about the, the way people are writing about Ring of Honor, the WWE MSG situation. I see how people are writing about Dr. Amon. I see how people are writing about the relationship with him and Jillian Hall. I see about other things going on in the world of pro wrestling. And I publicly throw it in people's face. You know, notice how nobody ever challenges me with logic. You know, whenever I fucking say something or I give out facts, no, nobody ever contests what I say. But, you know, I like to throw a little sarcasm out there. You know, that's that's me. I mean, yeah, to some people, it's a negative trait. I totally get it. I don't blame people for getting mad at me and stuff like that. But apparently, 
when I said that about Big Cavs, because late last night when I see Sports Illustrated write what they wrote, and I see Forbes and a few other places write what they wrote, and they're giving credit to fucking Matarazzi's, but meanwhile, Soup had it up there for like 14 hours before everyone else and no mention whatsoever. Now I realize right away, okay, the inner circle, they want to pat each other on the back. You're fine. I thought it was fucked up towards Soup because at least, you know, I mean, they they do have sources. I mean, it's, you know, we don't do this for full-time living, but, you know, people do have connections here and there. So they got no credit, fine. But what I found funny was that now everybody's focusing on the alcohol thing. And I look at all of these places early in the day taking credit. Oh, he's done. After he lost to Daniel Bryan, he's done. He's done. He's done. Oh, he's in the doghouse with, with, because of the midget incident. He's done. Now, I don't like to use specific names, but if you have someone else on the WWE roster right now, that is not really being used all that much. In fact, some specific female wrote on Twitter, I kind of felt bad for her this week. She wrote, all I want to do is wrestle. Please, all I want to do is wrestle. So I kind of feel bad because you almost feel like WWE is going to say, okay, you want to wrestle? Fine, go on the indie circuit, you're fired. <laughs> uh, and But the thing is, if this particular person got released, especially how she's rarely ever used or anything like that, you know, just be, are you going to say, oh, I called it. She's done. She's done. You know, because, come on. So right away, because of all the alcohol things are coming out and it's being verified, I write on Twitter, shout out to the 477,715 of you out there that ran to brag how they predicted Big Kaz would be released. And every reason given up to that is because he jobbed out to Daniel Bryan twice, which people also said was because he went into business for himself with the midget and he was in the doghouse. See, that's the chain of events that I'm talking about. For weeks and over a month, those same people were saying that Big Cat's in the doghouse because of the midget incident. He gets jobbed out to Daniel Bryan in the last pay-per-view. Oh, well, that's because he's in the doghouse because of the midget incident. Then he gets jobbed out the second time, and people are like, he's done. He jobbed out twice. Well, remember, your reasons of them being jobbed out is because of the midget incident. Now it ends up that it was... The alcohol stuff is what got him canned. So I was like, okay, for everybody out there that ran, that set this up for the last month and a half, that the midget incident led to the first jobbing and in the doghouse and he loses again. And I'm like, shout out to all of you who bragged how they predicted Big Cash would be released. And only one person, one, one group had it spot on all along. And that was Wrestling Soup. So keep in mind what I was saying before talking about Ring of Honor, talking about Amon, talking about the case, CM Punk stuff, you know, people not putting two and two together. I've been talking, criticizing a lot of people out there, a lot of different topics. But because it ends up that I find out that my co-host, Kevin Castle, said on Tuesday that he predicted that Big Cass was done, right away people are trying to make trouble. Oh, you threw your co-host under the bus. I don't fucking throw nobody under the bus. I have been talking about different topics, about different things for years upon years upon years. And just because someone I know may have said the same thing, no, I don't take cheap shots towards, if if I have a problem with him, I'll make a little joke and I'll tell him and stuff like that, but I have respect for people I have shows with. 
So no, they're not directed towards people I like or people I do shows with. But because some of you, I can't, I'm not going to fucking turn around and say, hey, listen, uh, Mish, Kev, Joey, blah, 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 blah. Do me a favor. Don't tweet you know, that you predicted this or you called this because I'm going to do, I'm going to make, uh, you know, a cu- couple of comments online criticizing all the others that bragged and ended up being wrong and this and that. And I don't want it to go. Are you fucking kidding me? Seriously. You're fucking kidding me. Come on. So, but it's funny how I could bring up 10 different topics, but because one particular topic was kind of said by one particular person, oh, you're throwing someone under the bus. No, I talk in journalistic terms. I'm in my 40s. I'm a grown fucking man. All right. I'm pretty comfortable in my skin that you listen to these shows because you like what we do. All right. I'm not afraid that you're going to pick up and stop listening to us and tune into someone instead. If you like another show out there, by all means, listen to it, support it. I'm fine with anybody listening to multiple shows. That's no issue at all. I do what I do, and it's thrown out there. You like it? Great. Awesome. Thank you for being a part of the family. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That's why I'm so nonchalant when I say, hey, if you don't like it, listen to somebody else, because I'm not going to sit here and just beg and lie and be fake and be dishonest simply so I can get you to stick around and listen. No, I we're very, very real and honest and very, very raw sometimes in our discussions. But that's because we're real and we are one big family here. And I'm not pandering to all of you out there, but, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be the, the police officer or the principal for other co-hosts or for all of you out there. Look, some people do get things wrong. I get things wrong also. All right. Sure. I kind of brag from time to time because, you know, I like to rub it into the haters. Look what happened. WWE just had that whole UK tournament with the titles, tag titles and stuff like that. Mish and I am wrestling on breakfast soup um, about three months ago, had about a five or a 10 minute conversation about WWE's international um, presence. And we actually predicted Every little detail that you saw took place with this UK tournament this week. I didn't tweet about it. Mish didn't tweet about it either. But if you tune into Breakfast Soup, we got into every little detail. And I'll tell you right now, for everybody that loved it, I don't think WWE is done. May not happen overnight. May not happen this year. May happen next year. But what's happening in the UK the way they're handling the tournaments and the titles, that's also a test for other markets. Now, I don't know if they're actually going to try to do it in Japan, but WWE is really planning on expanding globally. And that is one of the reasons why their stock is going up tremendously. All right, as politically incorrect, it felt them doing business with Saudi Arabia and the way everything went down to the point that I just absolutely did not want to tune into that show. And I still haven't watched it. All right. Money wise, that was a tremendous business move for WWE. And, you know, I used to joke a long time ago that I thought TNA would turn the corner financially as if they focused on being an international company more than anything else. You know, the problem is, is that, 
you know, when all of your talent is based primarily in the United States, it's very expensive to be constantly flying overseas and overseas and overseas and paying people this and that. You know, WWE is utilizing homegrown talent for the most part in the tournament in the UK. So let's see where this goes, but they're going to expand even further. Um, It's just that it's not something that could be done overnight. And, you know, I don't live in the UK, so I don't know how this actually um, affects other promotions who are in the UK. I kind of tend to feel like I don't want to compare this to Vince McMahon mid-80s taking over territories and putting people out of business. But the aura that I seem to be getting from people in the UK is they are afraid that WWE could be doing a similar thing in the UK. I'll be totally honest with you. He, You cannot replicate what happened in the mid-80s. It's not happening. Not only that, WWE, even though they're a global company, majority of their business is still in the United States. I don't see WWE all of a sudden taking over the UK wrestling scene and knocking everybody out of business except for a tiny little rinky-dink in indie organizations. All right? for I know that there's some feds in the UK that are pretty big. All right? But do I fear them going out of business like other feds did in the mid-'80s? No, not at all. Not at all. Um the amount of money that would be involved for them to sign exclusive deals with wrestlers to the point that you wouldn't have talent to work the other feds, it's not happening. I don't think there should be any concern out there. If anything, it might be a good thing for the UK promotions, and I'll tell you why. You look at wrestlers like Tyler Bate and others that are now known by a lot of American fans and I'm not saying that Tyler Bate wouldn't have worked, you know, the the United States if he wasn't noticed by WWE. I actually met Johnny Storm in the early 2000s. And I remember when XPW wanted to bring in one or two talents from overseas. Okay. And I remember when we were talking at that time on the hotline about a few talents over in the UK. Nobody knew who the fuck I was talking about. Might have one or two people because of wrestling magazines and, and others. But for the most part, a lot of people had no clue. So you're seeing wrestlers in the UK being introduced to American fans. So the more that we get exposed to them, the more that we enjoy them, the more we get familiar with them. Now they work a show for a different promotion in the UK. You might get some American fans that want to buy the tape, want to buy the DVD, buy the downloadable content. So I think, if anything, this will get more UK exposure to American fans, and it might actually benefit some of those companies. But um, so, hey, you know, so we segwaying into that conversation. I wasn't planning on getting into that deep into it, but, you know, um, I, I think it's a good thing. I really do. I don't see them cornering any market or anything like that. I think that they're tapping, you know, um, revenue, that I think some other feds should have tapped into over the years. Like I said, I thought TNA was going to have a bigger presence overseas, you know, and, and again, how many times did you hear me many years back say, there's only so many times Jeremy Borash could close out a show and say, you know, I think we may come back here for a pay-per-view, you know, 
you know, your crowd has been so great. You know, I'm going to talk to the, the management and maybe we could come back here for a pay-per-view. And you do that 10, 20, 30, 40 times and you don't do that or you book shows and you generate hype and you cancel shows. People don't want to fucking, you know, invest money, you know. And yeah, anybody could have any one big event and people go, you know, for that one particular event. All In is a great example of that. But is All In a promotion? No. Where does it go from here? Is it going to be mega shows like, uh, you know, like they tried to do with AWA in the early to mid 80s when they had all the feds together and they were doing the super clashes? I don't know. I do know that All In is doing very well. Yes, a lot of tickets were bought by scalpers, but they're generating good money. And the more money they make, the more talent they could put on, probably the more expensive talent they could put on. And I'm pretty confident that All In is going to be a fucking kick-ass show. And um, let's see where that goes from there. Um, just keep in mind, when you have a lot of different companies involved, everybody's got to be copacetic with each other in order for it to, to succeed. The good thing about it is you don't have huge... AWA, NWA conglomerates, you know, world-class and others who's basically trying to pull their leverage to get, you know, their guy, you know, this time around, Ring of Honor, New Japan and other feds, it seems like everybody is wanting to, you know, really do uh, what's best and to, to succeed in this little project. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, for people I keep asking, am I going to all in? It's, it's still up in the air. You know, I said I actually explained this about a month ago. I don't know how many people heard it, but I'm gonna just briefly say this again and then I'm gonna jet out of here for this episode. You know, I do insurance for a living. And any of you out there listening, you drive a car, you own a house, you have an apartment, you run a business, at some point you have insurance. Your insurance, usually your policy period runs either every six months or every year. A lot of car insurance companies, it's every six months. But for house insurance and other types of insurance, it runs one year. Commercial insurance usually runs one year. And it's from whenever the date starts to whenever the date ends, with the exception of livery insurance. In New York, most livery insurance policies expire on March 1st. So if you buy a livery policy on January 1st, your policy only runs for two months because it renews on March 1st. The usual policy periods for March 1st, March 1st. I know I'm starting to confuse people, but let me just say it like this. I have customers that are renewing the last week in August. There's about seven or eight customers for that particular week that I have concern about. I have other customers that have homeowners policies where the mortgage company automatically pays it every year. I don't have to worry about them. So it's not that I only have seven customers renewing that week. I have seven customers that I have to pay extra attention to. What I cannot do is I can't tell them two, three months in advance, hey, man, I'm going on vacation the last week in August. Do you think you could pay your insurance a week or two early so at least I'm, I don't have to be here to do it? And it's not simply that, oh, my secretary could take the payment from them and that's the end of it. No, that's not how it works. I have to do applications. I have to get things signed. I have to email that. There's a lot of things involved. I have to do underwriting. So there's a big process involved. So I can't ask customers this early 
if they could pay a week or two early in advance, get everybody on record and then tell, you know, the people involved, hey, man, yeah, I could, I'm there. So I have to wait until literally August to see how these customers handle their renewals. Will I send them the bill a month early if I have it? Yes. And we'll see who waits till last minute. Another problem is some of these customers' policies that are renewing are expensive. I don't have that kind of money that I could just lay it out and pay it for them and just get the money when I get back. I don't have money like that. If I do that and then they don't pay me, I can't tell the insurance company, can I have my money back? I laid it out for him, but he didn't give me the money. They're going to tell you, that's your loss, idiot. So I can't do that. And last but not least, I can't say to insurance companies, hey, look, I know so-and-so is expiring on August 30th, but I'm going to be in Chicago for all in. Could you do me a favor? Could you hold their policy until September 3rd when I get back and then I'll get the payment then? They'll fucking recommend I lose my license. So that is the issue that I have. So I won't know until sometime in August if I can be there or not. But I will tell you this. I want to be there. I, as far as expense goes, that's not a problem. It's not a money issue. And everybody that's been involved in all in behind the scenes that I've talked to have been very, very cool. So there are no issues there. Um, I just don't know yet. So once I know, I will let you all know. But Please do not go to, to All In simply because I may be there or anybody else. You go because you want to go to see the fucking event. I mean, if I go, that's the reason why I'm going also. I want to see this event. Looks great. You know, there's a lot of rumors as far as who's going to be there and who's not. But still, it's you know it's going to be balls out. All right. I know they call it All In, but I kind of call it balls out. They're going balls out to make sure that this show is, is memorable. It's going to be, it's It's history. And I'm not going to get into that aspect because I've already talked about that already, but it's history. You know, if they generate the crowd size that they do, it's history. So anyway, with that said, I'm out of here. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Breakfast with Blasi. Obviously, with the abrupt passing of Vader and a few other things that transpired the last day or so, the format is a little bit different than what I planned on it originally to be. But um, I hope you enjoyed it. Oh, as always, follow me on Twitter at Don Tony D. The website dontony.com. Email me dontony at dontony.com. You know, to the person who claimed that he had major connections for 2K, whatever, you know, hey, I got all this exclusive stuff on the video game. I said, do me a favor. You got a, bit, a close friend that works high up in the company? Send me the photo for the box art for the video game before they release it. And, uh, yeah, he sends me the email about three hours after they broke that AJ Styles is on the cover. It's pretty funny. But, hey, you know, it's all in good fun. But please, just don't lie to me. You know, seriously. You know, I, my mouth gets me into trouble because I don't lie about things. You know, I'm not good at lying. And sometimes I'm too brutally honest. Some people really, really love that about me. Some people hate that. But, you know, I, I just want to, like I said, when we do these shows, it's just... All of us, one big family, just talking about wrestling. I know the conversation is one-sided, but you know what you get here is straight up, no bullshit, you know, just real discussion. So, again, email me, dontony at dontony.com, the website, dontony.com. Follow me on Twitter, at dontonyd. If you like what we do, you want a little bit more, 
and at the same time help us keep these bills paid, keep these shows free for everyone, patreon.com slash Don Tony. Again, Thursday night, Kev will be doing his next edition of Castle Chronicles, his solo show. And just to give you all a heads up, on Monday, I'm actually going to be doing a little uh, advertisement for eLiquids.com. That's where you get a lot of like the e-liquid and stuff like that. They actually um, asked me to plug one of their products, and I am now a regular customer of theirs. You know, so I'm actually going to be giving them a little plug on Monday. So if you're into like the e-liquids and e-cigs, cigarettes and stuff like that, or the, you know, the, um, you know, CBD oil, you know, I'll be doing a little segment on that Monday as well. Probably only like five minutes, but definitely going to talk about that. And uh, I think we might even have a little bit of a promo code if you want to get a little discount over there. So make sure you tune in Monday's DTKC show. Once again, thank you, Mish, for taking the helm Monday for me. Um, Shout out to everyone. As always, thank you for the support. Don't forget Mish, Joey Numbers, Breakfast Soup, Thursday Thursday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, uh... I'll be back in two weeks with your next installment of Breakfast with Blossy. You know, I just realized something. Two weeks from now is July 4th. Am I doing a fucking 4th of July podcast? I don't know. I know I'll be on location. I'll definitely be at the parents July 3rd and July 4th. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll have a show. You know, maybe we'll do it a day late. Maybe I'll do it a day early. If it's fucking raining the 4th of July, maybe I will do it on the 4th. But, yeah, no, we will definitely have an episode two weeks from now. And uh, I'll return with Kev this Monday on the Don Tony and Kevin Castle Show, 11.15 p.m. Eastern Standard, right after Monday Night Raw. As always, been in, uh, causing insomnia on Monday nights since, what, 2003, 2004? It's pretty cool. All right, everyone, I'm out of here. I'll talk to you all soon. Send your feedback, as always. It's much appreciated. And be well. Ciao. Support the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle Show on Patreon. Get access to thousands of hours of back episodes. Get bonus episodes and exclusive shows. Castle Chronicles. Breakfast Soup. Pay-per-view recaps. DVDs. Beer koozies. Tattoos. And more. Support the show that's entertained millions for over 16 years. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Once again, Patreon.com slash Don Tony. So we're here at Marshall's with Liz for some holiday shopping. She's really nailing it this year, isn't she? Oh, yep. She got a record player for Amy. A gorgeous cozy sweater for Jason. And some hot pink fluffy slippers for her sister. The perfect gift. Wait a sec. (gasps) She's getting a pair for herself. Well, with prices this good, it would be rude not to. You know what? She totally deserves it. Oh, totally. Happy holidays, everyone. See you at Marshall's. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices at Marshall's. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments. Where bold moves require confident blueprints. Where you can accelerate transformation through consistency. Where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at SAIC.com cloud.